GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Farm Credit Canada says farm cash receipts reached a record $94.5 billion last year across the country. We'll hear from their chief agriculture economist, J.P. Gervais, on that. Saskanola has committed just over $1 million towards 10 research projects in total that were evaluated through the Saskatchewan Agriculture Development Fund for 2022-23, including six projects co-funded by the ADF. Saskanola Research Manager Doug Heath will have the details on that. The general manager of Sask Pork says the dedicated Cull Sow Line incorporated into the design of the North 49 Sow Processing Facility will allow the humane slaughter of hogs in a, the event of a serious swine disease outbreak temporarily stopping trade in this province. We'll hear from Sask Pork General Manager Mark Ferguson. And Sask Tips has released its latest Crime of the Month, Conservation Officer Cody Osborne will join us on today's program. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. SAS Canola has committed just over $1 million towards 10 research projects in total that were evaluated through the Saskatchewan Agriculture Development Fund, or ADF, for 2022-23, including six projects co-funded by the ADF. Saskanola Research Manager Doug Heath has the details. So out of the 10, uh, five of them are going to be dealing with uh, disease-related issues. Uh, one's dealing with insect pests, two with uh, fertility, one with um, a feeds, like an animal feeds-based project, and one is a, an industrial fermentation project. And those, those all fall within our, our three main, three main uh, research themes, which are agronomy, pre-breeding trait development, and uh, canola utilization. He says the Agriculture Development Fund is heavily involved in the projects. I think six of the, six of the ten are co-funded with ADF, and the other four are with other co-funders. Heath notes these tend to be lengthy research projects. Yeah, that's right. So, so anywhere, anywhere between uh, um, two and five years. He adds the $1 million contributed to the research is raised from producer levies. Yeah, that's right, and that's, that's why it's important for, um, for farmers to invest their levy into things we do at South Canola, including um, research. Heath notes the total value of all co-funding for these 10 projects is nearly $3.8 million and comes from a variety of sources like the ADF. That's right, and, and some of the other crop commissions as well. And that also includes um, funding from some Alberta commissions as well as the Alberta government and Manitoba government as well. 
and he provides these final comments. Just that we're spending a lot of money on disease research because it's important to keep ahead of of these um, the different pathogens that it, that infect canola, whether they're established diseases like sclerotinia or or newly emerging diseases like verticillium. That's Doug Heath, the research manager for SAS Canola. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. The president of the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, or CFIA, has suddenly stepped down from her post. Sadika Mithani sent a letter to colleagues and industry partners last week informing them of her retirement from the public service, effective last Friday, January 20th. The president of the CFIA supervises the entire agency, its staff and its programs, reporting to both the Minister of Health and Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food on issues related to plant health, animal health, food safety and international trade. Mathani was appointed to the role by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in 2019. The National Farmers Union and other groups sent a letter to Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau in October of last year, calling for Mathani to be replaced, expressing concerns about communications between the CFIA and CropLife Canada in drafting regulations regarding gene-edited crops. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, otherwise known as AAFC, has released its first crop projections for 2023-24, forecasting a very notable drop in oats. In AAFC's January supply and demand estimates released Friday, it cut oat production to 3.611 million metric tons, down almost 31% compared to 2022-23. The department chopped the carryout for oats by nearly 48% at 600,000 metric tons. For all wheat, that's spring and winter wheats plus Durham, AAFC projected production to bump up 1.5% at 34.327 million metric tons. It raised canola by 1.8% at 18.5 million metric tons and soybeans 3.5% at 6.77 million tons. Corn was lowered 4.8% at 13.845 million metric tons, while durum, barley and flax remained relatively steady. As for ending stocks, those for all wheat, durum, barley, canola, flax and soybeans were raised. CNNCP rails supplied a combined 83% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 24, a marginal improvement from the previous week's 82%. The improvement reflects a decline in performance for CN and improved performance for CP. In supplying 80% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 24, CN's order fulfillment performance declined from the 89% order fulfillment performance seen in week 23. CN performance once again fell short of the 90% threshold, having now not reached that threshold in 11 of the last 12 weeks. CP order fulfillment performance saw improvement for the second straight week, 
with the railway supplying 85% of cars ordered, an improvement from the 76% order fulfillment performance seen in week 23. But this marks the 19th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. Another Fraser Valley farm in British Columbia has been struck with the highly contagious avian flu. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says the virus was confirmed on a commercial poultry farm in Chilliwack. While the virus affects birds, there is no evidence it can be passed to humans who consume poultry products. The agency's website shows the number of active infected premises in the province as of Wednesday was 73. An Ottawa farmer is passing his love of gardening on to others by making it easier for people to grow food inside their homes. While Cole Etherington's first attempt at gardening was a flop, he learned from his mistakes and revamped his strategy. Now he has a side venture, selling small space growing kits that are filled with seedlings, fertilizer from his chickens, and instructions so new gardeners can avoid his mistakes. It comes at a time when people are looking for affordable and sustainable food sources as the prices of groceries soar. And that's the AgReview portion of our program. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Very light flurries and minus 9 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Farm Credit Canada says farm cash receipts reached a record $94.5 billion last year across the country. Chief Agriculture Economist at FCC, J.P. Gervais, says the estimate is a jump of 14% from the previous year. He says 2023 will see continued growth in farm cash receipts, but at a more moderate pace of 4.6%, this coming year? Well, we just recently published our you know, first set of estimates when it comes to gross revenues at the farm level for 2022. Now, 2022 is over, but there's always a lag in between when we actually learn what our revenues at the farm level. So the 2022 estimates actually look very positive, right? And if you take a little bit more of a longer term perspective, go back two years, perhaps, you know, since the start of the pandemic and early 2020, you're looking at roughly growth of around 40% in gross revenues all the way up to the end of 2022. And part of the exercise as well was looking at, you know, the growth in revenues at the farm level for 2023. And, you know, it's not as, as large, you know, as, as the increase that we had in 2022. I mean, commodity prices were pretty strong in 2022. We had a good rebound in production as well after a difficult 2021 from a crop standpoint. So, but 2023 looks good. I mean, we're able to sustain the high revenues that we've had. So, you know, for the last couple of years. Now, of course, the one thing is, this is all about gross revenues, right? And the flip side of this from a profit standpoint is, you know, what about farm expenses? And they're going to remain elevated, unfortunately, for most of 2023, I fear. Gervais expects 2023 to experience more moderate growth. Yeah, it's a bit of a return to, I wouldn't say normal, because, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what normality looks like right now. I mean, we're in a market where with the war in Ukraine, 
the uh, the demands for biodiesel, renewable diesel. There's just tons of different things that are happening in the industry, and so we got farm operators and, and owners that need to navigate all of this. But again, if you sit down and look at the national level, as you pointed out, or or in a province like Saskatchewan, for example, where 2022 went up eight percent, another eight percent perhaps in 2023. I think it spells out that we are facing a really strong demand for the commodities that we grow. So that's the good news. I mean, the not so good news is that, you know, the expenses that go along you know, producing all that food and so forth are going to remain elevated. So that, you know, raises the bar when it comes to challenges for farms to turn a profit and make sure that they manage their efficiency really, really well. Cause uh, margins are going to be positive in 2023, but there's a lot of downside risk as well that we perhaps have to account for. And, and I think it raises the bar as I said in terms of management skills. He believes grain will lead the way in 2023, followed by livestock. Yeah, well, on the livestock side, I do think that we're pretty positive so far in early 2023. The, the supply numbers in the U.S. are not going to grow. I mean, it's Actually, in our case, you know, we're facing a little bit of some of the same issues in the, you know, in the sense that the cattle industry has been a little bit difficult in 2022. We started the year with a backlog of animals. It took us a while to get rid of that. And so that ended up with, you know, prices that were not as strong as perhaps we had hoped. But if you look at overall the, the strength of demand for red meat, I think I'm fairly positive that despite the high inflation, we've seen already at the retail level sort of beef prices come not come down, but inflation certainly coming down as opposed to other products uh, at the grocery level. So all of that, I think, point to strong demand. And I think the wild card is really the demand in the world markets, right? So China looms large when it comes to the demand for meat globally. And and uh, we just got news you know, early this week that their production has rebounded more than everybody expected really in 2022. So, you know, the opportunities in 2023 might not be great from that standpoint on the export side. But I think I'm fairly positive that we can we can sustain the level of pricing that we have in the marketplace. And Gervais expects interest rates to jump another 25 basis points soon. Farm owners have made some pretty large, big decisions, you know, lately in terms of the investment on their farm and so forth, right? So they face a lot of different considerations when it comes to managing financial risk on their farm. And so question number one is always about interest rates. And we think that next week is the Bank of Canada decision. We think that we're going to get a small increase of 25 basis points, but we'll be done afterwards. You know, this, those are the assumptions that we work with. And that's what I communicated as well this week in, in at the Manitoba Ag Days. And, but I think that this is all being priced in already in the marketplace. It's, it's what matters is what is expected going forward. We think that the bank's done. And we think that's for the most part, if you're looking at longer term interest rates, right? Think of a five-year fixed rate or a five-year mortgage, for example. I think we've seen pretty much the decline in those rates compared to what they were three months ago, even a month ago. I think we've seen pretty much all the decline that we're going to see in 2023. So basically, my argument is what you have right now in financial markets and the marketplace is perhaps what you're going to have to be looking at, you know, six months from now or even 10 months from now. We're not going to get an interest rate cut from the Bank of Canada until very late in 2023 if we get one. So what you're seeing right now in the marketplace is pretty much what you're going to have to face you know, later on. 
And there's always the risk that the bank decides that, yeah, inflation is still too strong. And then perhaps in March or later on that they still continue to raise interest rates. Right. So I think that number one is interest rates. And then second was, you know, the outlook for commodity prices and farm expenses. I mean, farm expenses are on the mind of the, uh, farm operators and owners for, for good reasons. That's been uh, inputs are elevated. And unfortunately, we expect those inputs to stay elevated for most of 2020. J.P. Gervais is the chief economist with Regina-based FCC. He spoke last week at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 157.35. That's up 72. April live cattle trading at 160.37, up 45. March feeder cattle trading at 183.22, that's up 225. April feeder cattle trading at 187.77, up two full cents. February lean hogs trading at 77.35, down 47. April lean hogs trading at 85.05, down 67. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The general manager of Sask Pork says the dedicated cull sow line incorporated into the design of the North 49 sow processing facility will allow the humane slaughter of hogs in the event a serious swine disease outbreak temporarily stops trade. In response to the threat of African swine fever, the government of Saskatchewan and the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board have committed $1 million to support swine disease mitigation, including adding a dedicated cull sow line into the North 49 processing facility being built in Moose Jaw by Donald's Fine Foods. Sask Pork General Manager Mark Ferguson explains what prompted the creation of the plan. Well, it, the threat that African swine fever or ASF poses to the provinces. The main reason this plan was was put in place and today ASF is present in parts of Europe and Asia. It was also detected in the Dominican Republic in 2021 but it's never been uh, detected in Canada or the U.S. So um, it's also important to note that this is a disease that only impacts pigs and it poses no food safety risk but it is a disease that you know, can affect our ability as a country to export. And Saskatchewan, as, as well as Canada as a whole, are extremely dependent on our on our exports. We we export over 70% of what we produce. So, you know, while uh, while this is good for the economy and uh, and helps helps the nation, it does put us in a very vulnerable position. If we were ever to get a, a foreign animal disease, and African swine fever is, is one example of such a disease, but we'll temporarily close our our borders to pork exports. So, you know, these are the reasons as an industry we're concerned about about uh, ASF and the impact of border closures, and uh, this is the reason for the development of the plan. He tells us what the swine market disruption plan includes. Basically, um, pork producers in Saskatchewan committed $300,000 toward the project. The government of Saskatchewan contributed 700000 and that's to go towards the creation of a call and corridor within the facility, uh, the North 49 Sow Processing Facility that Donald's Fine Foods is presently constructing in Moose Jaw. 
So basically, this equipment will allow for an efficient and orderly, humane call of, of hogs if a, if a serious swine disease outbreak or any other situation closes our borders. It'll just basically help us deal with the potential surplus of hogs we may have here without a market. Ferguson outlines the role of North 49 Foods. Well, Donald's Fine Foods and, and North 49, the new sow plant, are, are great partners to the industry in Saskatchewan. And, and they presented us with an opportunity to upgrade this facility while it was being uh, constructed in Moose Jaw. So, so building something like this into the basic design from scratch, it's a lot easier while, while you're building it rather than, than retrofitting it later and cheaper as well. So, you know, we believe this is a good investment for producers uh, in Saskatchewan and all of Western Canada, basically. And, and it's one small part of their, their project. They're uh, establishing a, a new processing facility in Moose Jaw. Producers are just thrilled with the entire project and excited to, to see the new plant open. He explains what the new coal line will consist of. So the investment will be going towards the construction of a dedicated corridor in the facility along with an overhead rail system that will uh, allow for the efficient processing of, of animals. So uh, basically the entire infrastructure facility from the barn to the, uh, to the CO2 stunning area and, and, uh, and the rest of the facility can be used uh, in the event that we need to, to call animals. Um, you know, basically it's one of those investments that we sincerely hope we will never have to use, but we need to be prepared for it ultimately if we ever need to. So slaughter disruptions, you know, we had a few of them during the COVID uh, pandemic and it showed us how fragile our supply chain can be and how, how you know, reliant we are on processing plants being open every day. And we need to have a, a good plan available to deal with interruptions to our ability to export and, and basically any long-term interruptions to our, our slaughter capacity in Western Canada. So, so basically, um, you know, this is, this is something we hope we'll never have to use, but we, we need to have in place. Ferguson tells us why these plans are so important. Again, I think it's our dependence on exports. With over 70% uh, having to go out of country, it's critical that we have outlets for product. And uh, Saskatchewan, as well as Canada, uh, are, are very dependent on, on our ability to move product outside of our borders. So our first priority as an industry is biosecurity and, and prevention and making sure diseases such as ASF, you know, never reach our country or our farms. And that's, there's a lot of work going into, into that avenue as well. And so this is just, just one part of the overall strategy. He provides an update on the African swine fever situation. Well, we know that ASF is present in several countries in, in Asia and Europe, and um, it's been detected in the Dominican Republic as well in 2021. So it's getting closer to North America. We know that for sure. Uh, we know that it can be difficult to eradicate once it takes hold as well. So um, the risk of, of ASF reaching Canada is, is always present. Um, it's a disease that can spread through contact with pigs. Um, the experts uh, believe that contaminated feed has been one of the main ways that this virus has spread throughout the world. And ASF, it, it can survive for several months in, in pork products, whether that's fresh, frozen, um, or, pro, or even some processed products. So, so feeding pigs food scraps that may be infected with the virus, uh, we believe that's one of the main ways that's spread throughout the world. 
and has infected uh, animals. And, you know, that's why it's important for travelers, particularly to countries that may be infected with ASF, to, to definitely not, you know, try to bring back pork or pork products, uh, you know, with them when they cross the border. And it's also important for pork producers to not feed food scraps to pigs for this reason as well. Ferguson believes Saskatchewan is quite well prepared if African swine fever shows up in Canada. I think producers in the industry have done a lot of work in this area, uh, particularly in terms of uh, on-the-farm enhanced biosecurity measures and in terms of public education and making sure people know the seriousness of, of illegally importing you know, pork products, particularly from infected countries. So this, this project, I think, does significantly enhance our, our preparedness for ASF, and it's just one of the, one of the many things uh, we're doing as an industry to be prepared. He notes more information about African swine fever is available online. Well, there are many online resources on ASF. We've got a, a section on our website at sasport.com. The Canadian Pork Council and the CFIA also have a, a very good uh, selection of information on their websites as well. And Ferguson had these final comments. I would like to thank the Ministry of Agriculture and uh, Donald's Fine Foods for their collaboration and support on this issue and getting uh, industry prepared uh, for ASF. Mark Ferguson is the General Manager of Sask Pork. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 803.80, down $9.10. May canola trading at 803.10, down $9.50. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 8.87 per bushel, down 25 and three quarters of a cent. March Kansas City wheat trading at 8.13 and a quarter, down 34 and three quarters of a cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 7.16 and a half, down 25 cents. March corn trading at 664 and three quarters, down 11 and a half cents. March soybeans trading at 1486 and three quarters, down 19 and three quarters of a cent. March oats trading at 369 and a quarter, down one and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Sask Tips has released its latest crime of the month. Conservation Officer and Sask Tips Communication Officer Cody Osborne says a dead wolf was found in northeastern Saskatchewan in late November and was left to waste by illegal hunting. Up in Creighton in northeast Saskatchewan on November 24th, those conservation officers received information that a wolf was found dead near Boot Lake, which is approximately 11 kilometers south of Creighton. Uh, upon inspection of the wolf, it's believed that someone just shot it at an unknown location, cut its head off, took only the head, and then dumped the rest of the carcass where it was eventually found. He says that's illegal. It is illegal. You have to be a licensed trapper, and typically trappers will use and sell the fur. So just taking the head, it's, it's likely someone just wanted a, a trophy. Osborne says the culprit will probably try to get the head mounted. If the wolf would have been shot legally, it, you could, but 
uh, officers believe that this one was not harvested legally and therefore they're looking for any information on who may be responsible. He says there is a fine if you're caught doing this. Just depends on what went on. Um, it, it's hard to say right off the bat, but an unlawful hunt is always an option which can see fines of upwards of $1,000. On another topic, Osborne talks about ice fishing. For sure. So a majority of the regulations are the same between fishing in the summer and the open water and ice fishing. However, in the winter, you can use two rods to fish instead of just one, but you still have to be within 25 meters of each line and keep them in your line of sight. Something that isn't seen too often anymore, but you can still use a gaff to land your fish through the ice, but it has to have a J-hook and cannot be more than one and a half meters long. The use or possession of a spear on ice-covered waters is prohibited. Um, if you're fishing with an ice shack, if you place and leave an ice shack on the ice and leave it unattended, you must have your name, address, and phone number marked legibly on the outside of the shack, with the lettering being at least one inch high. And if your shack is placed on the ice anywhere south of Highway 16, your shack must be removed from the ice no later than March 15th, and anyone with shacks on the ice north of Highway 16 have to have it off by March 31st. And this is just to ensure that the ice conditions are still stable enough to safely get your shack off without it falling in and causing hazards to the water or boaters in the summer. And of course, you still must have an angling license and follow all limits and restrictions based on the lake you're fishing on. He says some other laws are often violated when it comes to ice fishing. Unfortunately, there are. Many people like to make a day or weekend out of it, out on the ice, and make their life as comfortable as possible. So this can include bringing firewood and other food and drink to sustain themselves on the ice. And this is quite fine and all right and, and encouraged, but you must remember to clean up after yourselves, including the ash from the fire. No one wants to head out to their favorite fishing spot and see garbage thrown about everywhere. So a littering ticket can cost over $500. And of course, officers frequently come across alcohol on the lakes too. Lakes are still considered a public place, even if you're in your own ice shack, and fines for that can be around $250, but significantly more if you're found to be impaired while driving home. You know, SAS tip and conservation officers just encourage everyone to obey the rules and be safe, and the regulations I've mentioned are just about a few of the ones listed in the Angler's Guide. And if you see anyone violating any resource laws, please call the toll-free Turnin' Poachers hotline at 1-800-667-7561, 24 hours a day. Cody Osborne is a Saskatchewan Conservation Officer and Sask Tips Communication Officer. And that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program.